and welcome to another edition of the Confession Box podcast. I'm joined by Michael Kelly. How, how are you doing, Michael? Uh, really well, Brandon. Nearly Christmas. N- near, well, we're nearing Christmas now. Very you're, you're, much so. You're, yeah. you're, you're becoming more welcoming of it. Christmas cheer is in the air. Yes, now that we have passed the December 18th, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to say that I'm now in the Christmas spirit. I've had enough of Advent. I've had enough of waiting. Last night, so the whole uh, Scrooge McDuck—it's been renounced. You're a, you're a new man, absolutely. Well, and what what? Date? And thanks for not calling me out, Bratton, because actually, you know, you saw me eat a turkey dinner yesterday. So of course, the turkey dinner on December twenty fifth will not be the first. <laughs> well, it's telling that we're talking about Christmas here because Christmas obviously is imminent, uh, and this is going to be a Christmas themed episode. So we're going to break protocol and not talk about the paper, and we're going to just talk about Christmas. I suppose what's so special about it, and we're going to look at maybe the more granular details of Christmas. Maybe let's look yeah. at the, the rural communities, the heart of of the rural community so which would be the church i think i think the focal point of the community so um you know you're you're, you're a man from from tyrone you're you're a cultured man you're from uh where, where is it it's contentious because sometimes it's from oma and sometimes where else are you from well it's killy claw technically so christmas is a special time michael for for you and for and for people in, in tyrone because you'll be going back this christmas um but you you know yourself it's a particularly uh unique time and and and, and joyful time for for rural communities in ireland so why has the spirit of the season not been lost in rural Ireland, Michael, and how is the spirit best encapsulated? You see, I think in some ways the reason why the spirit in rural Ireland is so important is actually because of the negative experiences rural Ireland has had of globalisation and a, a lopsided uh, development, which has been the consequence of the policy of numerous governments. Now, what do I mean by that before I uh, get into uh, policy talk and put people off? Well, the fact is many of the young people from rural Ireland Ireland no longer live in rural Ireland. They have either gone abroad to work, uh, they've gone abroad to make their lives there, or they've moved to Dublin. I mean, uh, Ireland is completely lopsided as a country in terms of where people live, like about a third of the population live in the greater Dublin area. So many of those people abandon Dublin for Christmas and they go home. There's nothing like that beautiful sense of going home. If you go to Connolly Railway Station around these days, Houston Railway Station around these days, Bosaurus, what do you see? You see people in their tens of thousands queuing up with enormous suitcases full of presents to go back to the place where they're coming from, where they come from. And in Ireland, we've always that great sense of uh, cheer gras, the love of where you're from. And actually, I think it's more pronounced uh, in recent generations because Nulo Fuela, the, the great writer, who, of course, is uh, sadly, sadly no longer with us, she wrote about how when she was a student uh, up in, uh, in Dublin, people from rural Ireland couldn't wait to get away from rural Ireland. They never went back. Uh, whereas she observed that younger generations, they love going back to where they're from and she had this beautiful turn of phrase Uh, she said they love where they're from more than where they're going and uh, I think that's beautiful and I think we saw a lot of that during the pandemic as well when it became opportune for people who were say from Roscommon or Leitrim or Tyrone or Donegal to move home and work from home they did it in a heartbeat they didn't want to stay in the capital so I think that's something that uh, the government should think about in the future so Christmas in rural Ireland represents a huge coming home people come home from abroad as well i mean i see over christmas at home fellas that i haven't seen well i see them once a year but mm-hmm. apart from that i haven't seen them since i was maybe 17 18 yeah. and uh, you know they're they're there with their families and uh, it's just a wonderful sense of community a wonderful sense of coming together and as you say the parish is very much part of that uh, going to mass is very much part of that being part of that tradition uh, visiting the crib but also and i know this is a tradition in dublin as well 
visiting graves, visiting cemeteries, because, you know, as Catholics, we believe that uh, that those who have died are with us as part of the communion of saints. So they're very much still part of our parish. So that's why, you know, in Christmas, we lay special Christmas flowers. We go to visit the grave on Christmas morning. It's not out of some kind of morbid sense. Of course, we're sad because we miss the person that they're no longer with us. But in a mystical sense, in a deep sense, they are still with us. Mm-hmm. And the visiting of the grave and the tidying it up for Christmas and the putting of the Christmas flowers on it, that's a concrete example of our belief in the communion of saints and people may not even articulate it that way but that's the depth of the the catholic tradition these customs are obviously inherited i suppose generation to generation and not really reflected at all in the media not spoken about and not mentioned i think you know let's say get get someone maybe from metropolis dublin go up for go up for a weekend during christmas or something like that they'd be amazed at the at the number of of long-standing customs there that have just been passed on through generations or communities how, how do we best promote that michael in an era where maybe they're not they're not really focused on or not really mentioned at all yeah because there's something very wholesome about it um i mean that term in ireland because of course of the um because of course of the um the 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 the, the, the writing about it, you know, the Valley of Squinting Windows, that's something that in Ireland is often viewed in a uh, very negative way. And, you know, it can be negative and people can feel that oppressive and people can feel always been watched, always been monitored by their friends and neighbours. But you know what? In small communities as well, do you know why the Valley of Squinting Windows is great? Because if Mr. X is used to going to 10 o'clock mass every morning and he's not at 10 o'clock mass, or Mr. Y is used to going to the pub every evening at five o'clock for two pints of Guinness and then going home and he doesn't turn up at the pub then either then somebody immediately wonders I wonder where he is I better go and check up on him I wonder if he's fallen I wonder if everything's okay I wonder if he has COVID if you know all of the reasons why somebody might not be uh, be coming out so that sense of community is uh, is is important I mean I've lived in Dublin now for 18 years and I'm ashamed to say and I'm sure part of this is my fault as well I don't really know my neighbours um, I know them to see but I don't know their names I don't know anything about them I mean I wouldn't miss them if they hadn't been around yeah. for, for a couple of days. So I think rural Ireland is is better about that. And I think rural Ireland also has the intergenerational thing uh, off to a fine art because there actually there aren't enough people of your own age to clique around with or to turn it into something where we're not connected with other people so actually a lot of younger people in rural Ireland they, they know older people yeah. uh, and so they're able to hear about their traditions they're able to hear what it was like so I think that's something uh, that's something very beautiful and you see around Christmas time even people who wouldn't consider themselves very religious they want a bit of straw from the crib you know they want a bit of straw for the parish church just to connect themselves with that uh, that first crib that first manger in in Bethlehem over uh, over 2000 years ago Bethlehem that city that uh, you know pours out to the world love the the love of uh, you know the the defenseless little baby there who who came to to conquer the world uh, with love you know we think the the wise men who came from the east to go to Bethlehem they were expecting to encounter this king uh, who was going to conquer the world but actually what they saw when they got there was that this was a baby this was a god incarnate with us who was going to conquer the world not with a sword but with love and that's why to this day Christmas is the greatest revolution in human history because it's a revolution in tenderness it's a revolution in mercy and it has transformed the entire world i mean it's impossible to think of one single event in human history that has so defined 
uh, Western culture than the birth of Jesus of Nazareth in uh, Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So so in summary, I suppose as well, so if someone like Josie Makaleski comes knocking at your door at Christmas, it's out of, I suppose, your concern and not out of nosiness. Oh, no, absolutely. And I mean, my goodness, I, one of my, uh, one of my, uh, I guess, looking back, happiest childhood memories, though I was furious about mm-hmm. it at the time, was when uh, a local drunk called oh. to our home on, uh, on, on Christmas Day. And, you know, I was maybe 10 or 11 and I was feeling really bothered by him because I just wanted to get on with finishing the dinner so I could um, I could play my games but you know my my mother was a a wonderful woman (coughs) excuse me a woman of great heart she quickly realized that he had nowhere to go for Christmas lunch so you know a place was made for him at at our table and I guess that's part of how you pass on the faith as well because that really was an example of my parents showing me what Christianity is and what Christmas uh, is about so people Christmas can be a lonely time for people so I think it's good to kind of look out for people and uh, you know people people can be lonely at Christmas for all kinds of reasons and we're talking about inherited customs there there that might be another Michael you might allow Someone to, to darken your door, maybe who's in who's in a, maybe a disadvantaged position in, in life or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. I won't publicize it too much because I get too many comers. <laughs> You'd be as modest as your mother, Michael. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get a bit speculative here and more. Let's have a, a bit of a social commentary now. So moving maybe more into into the the macro there. So you know, Christmas is a time now that has become incredibly materialistic, and this is not a recent phenomenon. We've had at least thirty sustained and in, increasing years of this. Um, so do you think Christmas can have a real meaning for people, Michael, who aren't religious, religious, or is it realistically just a period that symbolizes we're nearing the January sales? As crass as that is, like we have to evaluate this and say, look, what is what what, what is the meaning anymore? And, and, and can we recapture the meaning? Well, you know, it's both. Uh, so it's uh, it's both. And uh, I think we shouldn't be too afraid of matter either. Um, you know, materialism can go too far, but there's a very healthy materialism as well. You know, the giving of gifts, that's an important thing uh, to show to show affection, to show people what we what we think of them, uh, you know, to bond relationships. So, uh, you know, the food we share, the drink we share together, you know, those those are important things as well. And uh, we, of course, believe as Christians that uh, God took on human flesh, you know, so matter is a good thing. Sometimes when you hear Puritans and, uh, you know, some of these Protestant sects, they speak as if matter is a terrible thing and actually Christmas should be spent in uh, somber reflection whereas no Christmas is a time for celebration it's a time for matter so I think the our responsibility as people of faith is to uh, use that horrible cliched phrase but to actually try to meet people where they're at so rather than condemn people for being too materialistic try to kind of uh, help meet those needs and try to emphasize to people look here's the deeper meaning of Christmas and you know the gift giving is in commemoration of uh, the wise men from the east who give the gifts to the, the the infant Jesus so you know these are these are good things but the fuller story here is that a God who was so intoxicated in love with the human race that he was no longer content to be in heaven that he actually had to come to be among us to be one like us uh, in all ways but sin as St. Paul tells us and to walk this earth and to experience what we experience and sometimes that's a um, 
very wise old spiritual director told me a number of years ago when he hears some people saying, well, what would God know about my suffering? Well, God experienced everything that human beings experience by virtue of the fullness of his humanity. And this is something, you know, that was always a debate in the early church. Was God only pretending to be human or did God just look like a human? But no, the early church settled that heresy definitively. God was fully human and fully divine, what they call in theology the hypostatic union. So we cannot de-emphasize God's humanity, uh, you know, at the same time as not uh, de-emphasizing his, uh, his, his divinity. And the Christ child is the perfect encapsulation of that, uh, that God made man. And I think the message of Christmas, because to people of goodwill because the uh, you know when the angels brought the message to the shepherds they said we bring news to all people of goodwill and I think that's really important for us that we try to reach out to all people of goodwill because you know the the, the stories are beautiful the par- parables of Jesus are beautiful the uh, Christmas nativity story is just absolutely uh, wonderful and uh, we shouldn't be afraid to uh, to share it with people and coming into Christmas and this might be the only opportunity people who have been maybe conditioned, unconsciously, con- secularly conditioned and conditioned into maybe secular values and, and, and norms. They, they might be the only opportunity that they're able to, to finally embrace something, you know, spiritual or something, you know, that taps into that side. And so given this opportunity they have, I suppose, kind of feasibly said that there is still an appetite there for these people to maybe embrace that side. Oh, there is. And and what can, okay, what can specifically the church do, I suppose, in order to maybe gently invite or persuade people or remind them, just very gently, sensitively, that, you know, this is the true message here. And look, for those who are interested or maybe exploring it more, you're welcome. Well, the church has got to be a place of welcome. Mm. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, it should be warm. Mm. Uh, the church should be warm at midnight mass. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, spend a little bit of money on the heating. Mm. The liturgy should be good. Um, you know, people should really, when they come there, they should really want to think, wow, I might come back here next week. Because mm. actually this is a really, uh, this is really good. I feel really nourished here by this liturgy, by this preaching. Uh, people should be uh, welcoming. The community should be nice. Uh, so, you know, it's nice to smile at strangers yeah. at midnight mass and, uh, make them feel welcome because you know we have to be in the church the change that we want to see in the church so it can be very lofty and say we want to have a more welcoming church well what am I going to do in my parish to make it more welcoming Mm. Uh, so I would say that's the key thing to parish councils to pastoral workers to anyone who's pastorally minded about how they keep that invitation open to people and that is the key thing the key thing is keeping the door open Mm. Uh, evangelization is is about a constant Mm. invitation to people and it's an invitation to meet people in the fragility of faith because maybe they've been away for a long time you know maybe they don't know the responses to the new mass for example one sometimes notices that at funerals and weddings that you hear the responses to the uh, to the old mass from 12 or 13 years ago mm. but that could just be an act of defiance this, michael well there could be there could be a, didn't a, like benedict's a, reforms there could be a rump there they didn't like the reform <laughs> of the reform yeah i mean uh, certainly we certainly we, we could we could have that i mean we've seen some some stubborn resistance uh, to yeah. all papacy a lot of people know what they like no different <laughs> Um, and, and just, I suppose, as well, um, maybe if, if they're not, I suppose, entertaining and are not maybe in, agree- in agreement there that the church is possibly the, the best location for them, or maybe it's still a bit, bit of a radical step. Let's talk about the values, the, the basic values that Christmas uh, has to offer here and the values that are, I suppose, um, enshrined in, 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 the nativity, in, the nativ- in the nativity scene and in the message of Christmas there. Um, 
how do we gently promote these in conversation as well? If church isn't, isn't their thing and they're, and they're unwilling to take that next step here, we're just talking about just maybe a reminder that, look, you know, these are the values here. These are the, 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 the this is the charism of Christmas. Um, how do we gently remind people maybe who might be a bit too, as you said, maybe great word, intoxicated there on the secular side of things? Well, I think we could all agree that uh, if everyone lived by the message of Jesus mm. and followed the message of Jesus, the world would be a better place. Um, it reminds me of the... Uh, the great um, Victorian writer G.K. Chesterton uh, was once asked by the editor of the Times newspaper if he would contribute an article for a page in the newspaper with the title, What is Wrong with the World? And uh, he thought about this and he wrote up the piece and he sent it in for a page uh, to the Times. And it was very, very simple, very, very short article. It said, uh, Dear Editor, to the question, What is wrong with the world? Answer, I am. Yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. So um, I think that's true of the church, life in the church. It's true of life in society as well. I mean, this world would be uh, a much better place if uh, we all lived our lives according to gospel values. I mean, Christmas is a time to set aside feelings like greed, feelings like envy, uh, feelings like lust, feelings like deceit, feelings like covetousness, all of these uh, dark feelings that uh, that can be part of our lives, uh, jealousy of other people, you know, uh, contempt for other people, rage, all of these terrible feelings that can manifest themselves and really ultimately are always really the root of, 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 of jealousy and such things. And Christmas is a time also to give up cynicism because uh, if you see children in a nativity play recreating the nativity story it may not be the most wonderful theatrical thing you will ever see but my goodness that will melt the heart of any cynic as you see them telling and retelling that simple story of the young couple from Nazareth who made their way to Bethlehem and couldn't find any room in the inn. Mm. So according to Michael there in order to fully embrace the message a bit of introspection is needed. Amen. And always and always, and always. Any, any season any season but thank you so much for your time Michael uh, brilliant talking to you again and have a, have a lovely Christmas. Merry Christmas, Brandon. I really wish you and all the listeners uh, a very peaceful and a very hopeful uh, Christmas and all that is good in 2024. And I really hope this Christmas and the turn of the year can be a time when people can maybe ask Christ to come in and lighten the darkness in the parts of their lives where perhaps, you know, they experience anxiety and pain and suffering at the moment. So a really very, very Merry Christmas to everyone and every good thought for 2024.